In a perfect world, it's a control review that gives thumbs up, that says independently, we verify that your application has met the criteria of level one or level two, or even level three of ASVS, uh, or uh, the mobile application security verification. And again, both these are very, very important. Welcome to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast, where we share short and to the point perspectives on the cyber landscape. It's all about engaging yet casual conversations on what organizations are doing to reimagine their cyber programs while ensuring their business objectives are top priority. With my co-host, Stan Wisseman, Head of Security Strategist, I'm Rob Borrego, Chief Security Strategist, and this is Reimagining Cyber. So Stan, who do we have joining us for this episode? Rob, our guest today is Tom Brennan. Tom is currently the CIO of a national law firm where he oversees critical infrastructure, privacy, and security operations. Tom also chairs the Crest Americas Council, where he um, focuses on the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency's 16 critical infrastructure sectors, where he spearheads strategic plans for Crest organizational growth, while also serving as industry evangelist and educator on the value of using accredited cybersecurity products and professionals to improve consumer privacy, security, and protections worldwide. Tom, you have a long history with OWASP, and you are active with a lot of different advisory boards and councils. We want to focus on Crest today, and it was established back in 2006, but our listeners may not be familiar with its mission. Expand on the history of Crest and and its objectives and and how you got involved. Sure, sure. Um, So... um... Crest is a very unique organization. We accredit organizations. We accredit the businesses that are fit for purpose, uh, as well as the individuals that are delivering the services. So Crest focuses now from 2006 on penetration testing, incident response, security operations centers are primary business areas. Uh, then of course there's threat intelligence and training providers that train services, uh, train organ- individuals for services in that particular realm that was mentioned. So CREP actually had an interesting um, upbringing, I guess. Uh, you know, originally it was launched out of the UK to literally protect the crown jewels. Uh, and a lot of the service providers in region at the time, you know, came out of different organizations and uh, associated agencies to assist with that mission. Uh, it's then expanded quite a bit. Uh, it's extended to Australia, to Singapore Regulatory Authority, to Africa, uh, and also around the world with OBS, which is what we'll be talking about. Uh, but Crest is, is is not new for most people that have been dealing in sort of international business. You might be familiar with things like cyber essentials or efforts that are happening in the UK to uh, sort of raise the level of cyber assurance uh, for businesses. Uh, Crest is a pretty well-known brand. Um, I got involved with Crest after uh, my participation with the OWASP Foundation. Uh, I was with the OWASP Foundation, uh, and I'm still with the OWASP Foundation, I like to say, as an open source developer for some of my pet projects. Uh, but officially, I was on the board of directors globally for OWASP for a little over 10 years. Uh, and being on the board of directors, uh, we took it from an organization with about 1,700 members to about 35,000 participants in over 118 countries. Uh, so we sort of grow that organization. I like to call that a, a labor of love because, as you know, everyone's a volunteer involved in OWASP. And OWASP is focused on the individual. Uh, Crest uh, is focused on the service providers that deliver services. Uh, and really are looking to set standards in the industry that have been managed for regulators and governments and for best practice. So uh, at the end of my tenure, tenure with the OWASP Foundation, uh, the then current uh, president of Crest, Ian Glover, 
him and I sat down, had a conversation, and there's lots of involvement with with Crest, with uh, you know its penetration uh, testing standards and its testing guides and uh, other projects. Uh, but I was asked, hey, would you agree that you know when you get sick, you go to a doctor. When you have a legal problem, you go to an accredited lawyer. Uh, you know when you go ahead and have lawn care at your service. Uh, perhaps the guy who rolls up uh, with his truck has a licensed DEP permit to spray chemicals, might have a registered business, and might be in the space of being able to deliver a service. So, uh, of course, I nodded and said, of course, that's, that's exactly what I would agree with. And he goes, well, how come then we're not accrediting businesses? How come we're not building capacity in the industry, which is cybersecurity? And why is the buyer so confused as to what is a pen test and how do they actually procure services? So our mission has really been focused around um, helping the buyer find qualified service providers and individuals that are fit for purpose. Having worked at a consulting company in the past, typically what you do is as a, you know, you're trying to get business, you say, well, I have people that have these kind of professional service or this kind of work experience, and we can do a good job for you. But it was all just sort of like trying to prove that your personnel are, are going to be adequate for the job, but it has no kind of relation to the work history necessarily of the company providing that service. Right. So you, you're trying to align that to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do uh, a lot of uh, work in different circles with from the DOD and CISA and other agencies, of course. But really what it comes down to is, that, you know, we have 81.5 million businesses in America. And any of those organizations that want to procure services are going to reach out to service providers and are going to try to buy a quality service to spend their security dollars on. And one of the things that the buyer wants is, you know, an ease of understanding as to what is it that they're buying? Are the people delivering the work qualified and, and fit for purpose? And really what it comes down to is trying to help the organizations get in front of the buyers so that they're able to go ahead and quickly come to a conversation as to, I have an RFP. Let me go out to bid perhaps with these three or four highly qualified organizations that have been doing the work for a period of time and can, and, and, uh, and can you know, can can testify, if you will, to the uh, commercially reasonable standards about security assessment, penetration testing, incident response, and security operations center when, when, you know, when it's needed most. Yeah, it's a good vetting process for sure. And, and one of the things I wanted to delve into a little bit, Tom comes kind of uh, off of the heels at Black Hat, right? So, so Crest announced the OWASP verification standard, OVS, so we're going to delve into deeper, a new quality assurance standard with the intent of OVS is to measure an organization's ability to execute and deliver Assessment typically related to level one, level two, right, of the OWASP application security verification standard, along with the OWASP mobile application security verification standard. Why does Crest see the necessity at this point for the creation of the OVS? Sure. Um, so this is actually something that's been worked on for about three years. Um, during the time that I've been with Crest, I've been involved in a lot of different um, organizations and regulatory authorities and governments now around the world. Uh, and for those who don't know, uh, you know, Crest runs regulatory programs for uh, multiple UK regulatory items and, and Singapore, uh, uh, Singaporean uh, transactional authorities, et cetera. Uh, and we constantly have conversations with government that wants to legislate and put laws in place around security and privacy in their little region of the world. So whether that be you know, Germany, whether that be England, whether that be you know, other parts of the, of the country or parts of the world, uh, even here in the U.S., we sort of get caught up in those conversations around, you know, big ISVs, you know, that have access to lots of people's data uh, applications, whether it be mobile or, you know, typical cloud, that is, you know, having sensitive materials. 
Uh, and then, of course, is the application vetted or do people become sort of a, a part of the mechanics uh, of software insecurity? So as part of that conversation, they've looked to Crest multiple times with, hey, you're running these different programs today. Is this something you guys can help us with? And at the time uh, early on, it was no. At the time early on, it was, well, we certify individuals and accredit businesses that provide those sort of services, again, penetration testing and response period operations centers. Uh, and what you're looking for uh, is somebody to point at to say that you said things were secure. Uh, and I said, that's really not how it works, right? Uh, because again, things are a snapshot or a point in time. Um, but then when we start talking about organizations working together and coming to a reasonable level of maturity, um, I used to work for Howard Schmidt. I used to spend some time with SafeCode and I was their technical director. And one of the greatest things Howard Schmidt ever told me was uh, you can't stop software innovation, right? Because of regulatory issues or because of impact or countries. He's like, the best way to sort of make this happen is to allow organizations to sort of level up, which is, you know, let them self-regulate and then allow governments and regulators to point to that and say, hey, this is a best practice. This is a, a reasonable standard to, to set. Um, and these things started to come together with our friends at OWASP because, again, we've done lots of things there with the OWASP testing guide. And OWASP has become very famous with the OWASP top 10, which, in my opinion, is a big failure uh, because it's a list of top 10 problems, not necessarily top 10 solutions that people should worry about. Uh, but ASVS uh, has come up pretty strong. Uh, and it's one of multiple projects, There's about 120 projects now at OWASP, but it's one project at OWASP, which is really getting a lot of attention and has for now the last couple of years. Um, ASVS sets out standards and control objectives for application security. So in the conversation of architecture, rep modeling, building, and being able to care and maintain the application, um, it provides a very good guidance for organizations that want to build quality software. Now, it also provides a very good standard to test security against or test software against to determine if products that you've already built or already have in, in place um, are they able to meet these criteria? Uh, and then, of course, what would be the rating, right? So level one, as was mentioned before, for ASVS, could be a very common application. Really, let's uh, say it's very basic. Uh, you know, it might be for uh, uh, information purposes, moving data back and forth, has very little PII, uh, maybe very little, uh, if any, uh, credit card data, et cetera. Uh, but certainly it's not going to impact, let's say, human life, which would be level three. But as we look at the ASVS levels, you know, we start aligning to different components and controls. Uh, and then of course, it's a good standard. Now, if you have a good standard, okay, I can read that standard. I can, I can understand what it says. I can apply it if I'm the developer. But now if I'm the buyer of that product or I'm going to certify against it that it's been done to a certain level, who's qualified to do that? And that's where Crest got involved because Crest said, hey, you know, we have a lot of service providers today all over the world that are doing penetration testing. And many of them have deep skills and knowledge, of course, in code reviews, threat modeling, et cetera. But this is an area that dives deeper into software. Uh, and now, of course, in the US, we hear a lot about SBOMs, right? We hear a lot about software bill of materials and why this is an important action that needs to be addressed. And it's being addressed at, even at the uh, executive level. So OSVS conceptually was born where that Crest could handle the accreditation of service providers that are doing the deep technical work that needs to be done. It can manage the individuals, meaning it can identify that they have the right competency to do the work within the organization. Now that may be through uh, you know, testing and, and, and uh, competency reviews by third-party training companies, accreditation companies, et cetera. 
But we cross map that and can and recognize that individuals can uh, you know, be very diligent in software security, especially if they're managing to a particular component. So if a developer is building tools and building products and they're using best standards, things like the fundamental controls from SafeCode or looking at Cloud Security Alliance guidance, um, and we're gonna have a third party conduct an independent security assessment, well, perhaps that assessment, again, looking for a methodology or an outline as to what they should be looking for, and ASVS is now generally accepted as that standard. So again, you bring the two things together. You have a highly qualified list of service providers that are in that business. That's what they do. They have the people to do that work. And they're managing it to a particular component, which is open source and free to be available to anyone that wants to look. There's no black magic here. And the idea is, is now you have a reasonable standard that governments, regulators, and even commercial entities that are global can point to and say, if you're going to um, verify software integrity, perhaps you want to have a, a, a CREST OWASP verification standard review where that an organization can then promote and can describe uh, what's been as part of the finding. In a perfect world, it's a control review that gives thumbs up, that says independently, we verify that your application has met the criteria of level one or level two, or even level three of ASVS. Uh, or uh, the mobile application security verification. And again, both of these are very, very important. So it provides the buyer now with a, a way to measure, it provides regulators a way to point and say, hey, if you're not doing at least an OBS review, uh, perhaps there's no information assurance that's actually happening. So therefore, how can you be commercially reasonable if you're going to stand up in a court of law on a class action suit and demonstrate that you build it to a reasonable framework you've measured security controls, you've had third parties conduct assessments. And yes, I, I predict, yes, there still will be problems, but the reality of it is, is that you've mitigated your attack surface considerably. And you've done due diligence and you've actually been able to demonstrate your organization's forward thinking. And Tom, I think you would agree that completely secure software is almost impossible. But if you have a, a standard from which you can then assess software for its you know, weaknesses and vulnerabilities, design as well as implementation, and have confidence then that the provider is doing this you know, as comprehensively as the standard is seeking them to do, then at least you're able to hopefully have confidence that you've done your due diligence. You know, One of the things that maybe in the introduction we're talking about, the, the extent in which you go, I think we represented that you could do level one and level two at ASVS and the mobile ASVS as well, but you can go to level, the accredited providers can also go to level three? Sure, because it really comes down to the purpose of the application. Okay. Uh, I'm building an application that's going to drive uh, you know, health and human life. Uh, it's going to be focused perhaps on control systems, if it's going to go ahead and impact uh, on you know processing control systems, whatever it may be. Um, we see those, you know, that level of criticality being the most important. And, you know, as a foreign military guy, you know, life is the most important. So we put that at level three, right? If you're building an application that potentially can cause something to go sideways and somebody to get hurt, uh, we should probably value that at the most important. If you lose a little bit of money, well, that might be important, but at the end of the day, nobody died, right? So there's conversation there about risk. Uh, and everything at these, this point should be about the risks that we are trying to mitigate, so we can sort of insure against them, can insure against death, right? I mean, you can't, you can, but you know what I'm saying there, it doesn't mm -hmm. really help the person. Um, so we start looking at the ability for what are we trying to accomplish? Uh, I've actually just recently had an organization that buys software, start putting it into their even contracts 
that if they're going to buy code developed by a third party, onshore, offshore, whatever, they're going to have to go through an OBS for final acceptance before final payments delivered that they've actually met the ASVS controls. I thought that was pretty witty because now they're actually utilizing a mechanism in place to hold somebody to an accountable standard because developers are developers, right? They're building code that's functional. Uh, and um, with all development processes, um, there's going to be, uh, as you said before, Stan, uh, code, code, code can be compromised down the road. Uh, or maybe not initially at the first build because it sort of checked out and all the third-party source code scanners and people did their reviews and that things are good to go. But perhaps there's new techniques that are discovered over time. Again, my point is that if you can inject a reasonable review of things from a quality control perspective, um, that should make your end product and certainly your customer happier that they're working within the bounds of a platform or product um, that has been thoroughly vetted. You know, Tom, just if you look at the service provider side of the equation, what are some of the specific requirements for eligibility for OVS accreditation? So the way it works is an organization uh, comes to Crest and applies. Uh, and Crest basically does, again, remember, we already manage uh, nine or 10 different accreditation programs already. So they apply to become accredited. And what happens there is the businesses are reviewed, right? Uh, they go through an assessment with an assigned accreditor. That individual is reviewing uh, the organization's uh, fit for purpose, that it's you know, a proper business, it's legal, it has insurance, it has internal process and procedures for, uh, let's say, the disputes and contracts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, this could be a small company or it could be the largest company in the world. At the end of the day, is the business a business? Is it fit for purpose? Does it have any outside influence that should be concerning perhaps to uh, the buyer? Uh, and that buyer could be um, you know, corporate America or it could be the U.S. government. It just depends who's buying what. Uh, but at the end of the day, is the business uh, you know, fit for purpose? And then, as I mentioned, the members, the members of the organization, you know, there's employees that work there that are going to do uh, the work. Now, in some cases, technology does technology-focused automation, but there's still going to be people involved in the final QA, final review, final process. So, again, looking for uh, individuals that belong to the company – uh, that are W-2 employees that work for the organization, that meet the code of conduct, uh, and that they're going to be uh, you know, tagged into that organization. Those two things come together like peanut butter and jelly, and you have an accredited service provider. That accredited service provider then turns around, goes to market, and they're able to quantify that their organization uh, you know, is, is fit for purpose. And that is reviewed ongoing. Every three years is a deep review, but on an annual basis, you know, both the organization notifies Crest that, hey, they may have been an acquisition, they may have divested and maybe spun off a part of their business, or maybe there's, you know, some significant change. But at the end of the day, you can always go back, look at a list of accredited organizations and know that if you're on the list, uh, you've really been vetted. And that's really helpful for procurement. Some of our large corporate organizations use our, our vetting process as a minimum requirement for their procurement process. So, Tom, how is Crest working with OWASP to continue to improve ASVS and, you know, the community working together? So, historically, uh, when, um, when, uh, when we worked with the PCI Council uh, back in 2006, uh, it was wonderful to have them recognize uh, OWASP and point to us as OWASP Top 10 and mention, you know, in 11.2, of uh, the PCI standard that code quality should be reviewed after significant changes, et cetera. Um, but that was it, right? So it was wonderful to have the press. Uh, what I did with Crest and what I did with OWASP, and I sat down and we worked with the different groups and we tried to make everything sort of work properly, is we did a, uh, a sustainable revenue share. 
uh, and how that works is to answer your question, Stan, is Crest is the front end of the relationship, right, with the service providers. So as they are paying a small membership fee to be part of the program, um, a percentage of that goes to OWASP. Uh, Crest is also funding things like sabbaticals, code quality projects, et cetera, that are all focused around continuing to have people contribute to the open source project. So again, as people should know, anyone can participate to ASVS, you know, join the team, get on the list, you know, commit some code and, and actually make it a better, uh, better widget. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Crest is very much a steward in this because we're definitely looking to help this be sustainable and invite organizations to participate and keep it in a good direction. So right now we're in version four of ASDS. Uh, version five is due to launch in the first quarter of next year. Um, so now's a good time to review what we currently have. Uh, if there's some missing opportunities or some ways to improve it, great opportunity to get engaged. So in the Americas, you're, you're leading the, the council for Crest, right? Now, do you find that there's uh, a fair amount of interest here in North America? Um, as, as far as, you know, either on the provider side or on the um, consumer side, looking for Crest certified organizations or accredited organizations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned it before. So um, this was a soft launch back in um, July. And then August 10th, it was released at Black Hat uh, DEF CON at AppSec Village. It was a significant sort of rollout. Um, at that time, we've had a, a number of uh, individuals uh, that represent, you know, some large, you know, buyers, uh, as well as service providers that, you know, sort of see the opportunity here. The opportunity is that, hey, you know, we can, we can demonstrate and we can uh, utilize and provide uh, quality control. Um, now, again, you mentioned as we opened, you know, I, I'm a CIO for a law firm. So one of the things I see all the time is I see litigation cases, right? I see data breach cases, I see quality control, intellectual property, I see these different matters. And it really does come down to, even though I'm a technologist, sometimes it comes down to what's going on on the, on the stand to be defensible and to be able to describe, you know, frameworks that were used, quality control that was demonstrated, you know, policy and procedures that can be demonstrated over the last 12 to 24 months, uh, you know, logging, control, being able to demonstrate to uh, 12 members or, or peers on a jury panel uh, that your organization, you know, has gone through the necessary process to be able to be commercially reasonable. Again, that's important. So if you back up and say, well, what other options are there? Um, in this particular instance, there's not a lot. A lot of negotiation might happen in a contract, but at least this is something that you can hold it to a standard and say, hey, if you're going to build me software, uh, is it reasonable that before I accept it, I'm going to require uh, an OWASP verification standard assessment? And if you meet the, meet the qualifications of OVS, which you should have known about from the beginning when the project was spec, then I can go ahead and, and easily accept it. I'm going to acquire an organization, technology M&A. Perhaps there's an opportunity to conduct assessments against existing code base and figure out you know, where the problems may exist before the buyer gets involved in, in code quality issues or licensing problems. Um, so it serves multiple purposes, but more importantly, I think as an international um, platform, OVS allows not only the Americas, but for organizations around the world to, dem to take it something that is a global acceptable best practice by the OWASP uh, individuals and experts that have participated to be utilized in a commercial way very easily and quite honestly, very accepted because there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of marketing black magic behind it. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I think that's a, 
great example that you painted out, right? It's, it's a global view on the reality of what you're expecting, right? As a consumer of the software um, and the, the, the accreditation really provides that due diligence, right? And kind of offloads that. So I think that's a huge move in the right direction. We appreciate Tom, you coming on and sharing what you guys are doing with Crest and the, the actual, you know, again, great things that just came out of Black Hat and, and the conversations that you're sharing out here and getting the word out is going to be critically important as we move forward. So thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. And the only other thing I would add is in, in the federal circle that I spent some time in, you know, everyone now is uh, the buzz of the PMMC uh, and, you know, being able to meet those requirements. And that's really comes down to a simple thing. When a, uh, uh, when a contractor uh, goes ahead and agrees by contract to deliver a service and says, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're in this cybersecurity framework, or we're 800-171 or 853 compliant, the signature. Well, OBS is more than that. OBS is actually a review. It's actually a documented assessment. Um, and the outcome is either pass-fail, right? I mean, you have a, a, a sliding scale there, but the reality of it is it's not just the standards of, oh yeah, we do secure software. It's actually a review. Uh, and, and in some cases, that's a, that's a welcome opportunity for, for the buyer. Well, again, thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Yes, thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to have us cover a specific topic of interest, feel free to reach out to us and you can find out how in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by CyberRes, a microfocus line of business where our mission is to deliver cyber resilience by engaging people, process, and technology to protect, detect, and evolve.